0: This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy Oates, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is the full story. And the speed and the flow of it was enormous. It's indescribable. Without seeing it, you would not believe it. Like, unbelievable. It was a big wave, described by some in the New South Wales town of Ugowra as an inland tsunami. We've seen tsunamis on footage on TV, and that's what we can liken it to, exactly the same. As the New South Wales flood crisis rolls on, the costs are piling up. It's now Australia's most expensive natural disaster, with insurers estimating $5.5 billion in claims have been lodged this year alone. Some residents in flood-hit areas have been told that their policies won't be renewed. It's just too risky for insurance companies. And many more residents couldn't afford to insure their property in the first place. Experts say that this problem, the cost and availability of insurance, is only going to get worse in the coming decade. But there are tried and tested solutions that are already working.
1: Let's solve the problem at its source by making Australian property resilient. And then we can have insurance company at affordable levels because hopefully these people never claim insurance
0: again. Today, how to fix the flood insurance crisis. It's Wednesday, the 30th of November. Chris, you and our reporting team have been travelling to flood hit areas in central and western New South Wales, including towns like Ygarra, where 90% of buildings have been damaged by the floods. What did people there want to talk about?
2: So the one thing that people really wanted to talk about was the situation with flood insurance.
0: Christopher Norse is a reporter, a Guardian Australia.
2: So I spoke to a mechanic by the name of Greg Agustin in Ugara. Hey Greg, how are you mate? Who was at his mechanics workshop and as I walked into the workshop you could see that it was completely in ruins, you know, half the roof had collapsed, the timber supports that were keeping it up had it sort of broke and splintered from the force of the floodwaters. Are you getting any help for this, for the clean-up? And Greg said he simply couldn't afford the exorbitant cost of flood insurance in New Gara. So he said, I'm insured for fire, but the flood insurance was impossible. And he said the cost of it was very hard, made it very hard to get flood insurance. And he said that up the road, the insurance companies had quoted one lady $25,000 um, for a single year of insurance. So over 10 years, that's that's $250,000. So what that means for people like Greg is that his, his prospects of reopening his business are now completely dependent on how much support he gets from the state and federal governments. Um, but even residents who, who do have insurance, the ones who were able to afford it, some of them have now been told that their policies will not be renewed. In Forbes, the Mayor, Phyllis Miller, says that some people with existing policies have received letters saying they will not be renewed. So it is, it is stories like this that have, have led to a lot of criticism of the insurance industry, you know, criticised for, for putting profits um, before people. But the Insurance Council of Australia, Chief Executive Andrew Hall, said that by and large insurers are sticking by their customers, trying to help them through these devastating events.
0: Hello, Carl, can you hear us? I can, yes. Hello. Carl Mallon, you're an insurance analyst and your company Climate Valuation specialises in climate risk. The Insurance Council claims they're standing by flood victims, but we're hearing anecdotally that some have not had their insurance renewed and insurance is just getting more expensive in general. Why is this happening?
1: Insurance is a very simple business. You collect money, you put it somewhere to save it and invest it, and then you pay out. And ideally, your income and your investments pay more than you're paying out. But in a bad year like this, and also, you know, a bad year like the fires, you may find that they've paid out a lot more than they've got in, which means they're dipping into reserves or they're calling on reinsurance contracts, uh, which is like the insurer's insurance. But to be profitable, they're going to need to address
2: their income levels. The Climate Council says about one in 25 homes and businesses across the country are at high risk, which means that they're uninsurable. And data from climate risk analysis company shows there are at least 17 Australian suburbs where more than half the properties will be uninsurable by 2030.
0: Carl, tell me about these high-risk suburbs that your data shows may be largely uninsurable by 2030.
1: We're looking for a number of indicators. On the one hand, we're looking for suburbs where there are large numbers of properties which are in a high-risk situation. So an example would be, say, West End in, in Brisbane, where around half of the properties are in quite a significant flood zone. Another situation we look for is where a high proportion of the properties, the absolute number might not be that high, but a large proportion. So Shepparton, was one of the ones that we were worried about earlier in the year because we said, "Look, you know, you know, eighty or ninety percent of properties in Shepparton are in these flood zones, and now we've seen places like achuca go as well."
0: So, Carl, insurance is already costly in high risk areas. How expensive will insurance become over, you know, the next decade?
1: What we often see is insurers up their premiums to recover from events and they say right well if it flooded once then i'm going to put the price up because um you know i lost a whole load of money last year so i think we will see a lot of premium prices go up and also we'll see places of high risk probably become unaffordable or unavailable for uninsurance and also look frankly you know a lot of insurers will have taken a hiding this year, and so premiums will go up for everybody, whether they're in a flood zone or not. You know, I would anticipate that their losses would be quite high, and therefore they're going to need to address income in some way. I mean, climate change isn't something in the future it's already upon us. We think that a lot of pricing of insurance is out of date, and we'll see a lot of insurers now catch up. So what we'll see is a sort of rapid, what we might call a correction in the market.
0: So, Chris, we know that the risk of fire, flooding and other natural disasters is only going to get worse and that means the cost of insurance will rise alongside that. What is the government doing to try and address this?
2: So, it's definitely something that the government has had its eye on. So, firstly, for those who have been hit by the disasters and who don't have insurance, there are a range of disaster payments available. Um, So, the federal government uh, made available a, the disaster recovery payment to victims of the flood in this area, which is worth about $1,000. While in town, Albanese and Perte announced $50,000 grants for local businesses, uh, half of which would be available immediately without the need for receipts. You know, there's, there has been some criticism that these payments just simply aren't enough, and that was something that was put to the Prime Minister when he visited Ugarra.
0: Prime Minister, how can you expect this community to rebuild if you don't provide just everyday residents with more than one of $1,000 payments?
2: Well, we're providing what support we can uh, to people uh, at this time. A lot of the people who were affected by the floods that I spoke to, you know, they were looking at at damage bills in the hundreds of thousands of dollars and and needed, you know, a lot more than sort of $1,000 for everyday, you know, uh, people on the streets and, and you know businesses suffering much more than $50 thousand dollars worth of damage. Uh, it's one of the things that we heard again uh, today about is that so many people uh, haven't been able to get insurance because of uh, the high premiums uh, which are there. It's something that uh, the government uh, is attempting to deal with over a period of time will continue to engage with the insurance industry. So there are the disaster payments, but there are also measures that are more directly targeted towards insurance. In the budget this year, the federal government allocated $25.3 million over five years to the National Emergency Management Agency. And the federal emergency management minister, Murray Watt, also said the government is, is committed to spend $200 million a year on disaster mitigation projects. So the idea of that money is to try and you know, climate-proof future developments. And New South Wales Premier Dominic Perreté said he's keen to work with the federal government to rebuild communities in a safe and sustainable way.
1: Our rivers are full, our dams are full, the catchments are full. Um, and uh, over summer as well, there are, there are difficult times that lie ahead. Uh, but what we're committed to is not making the same mistakes of the past um, and continue to develop in a way Uh, that doesn't put life and property at risk.
2: And the government is hoping that by doing this, insurance costs will go down because homes and towns will be protected and insurers will feel it's safer to offer insurance there and they'll offer it at a lower price.
0: So, Carl, the government says that they're planning to climate-proof towns and that if they do that, insurance premiums should go down. Will that work?
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and we, we know that in places like roma and emerald where where there was a big standoff with the insurance companies the insurance companies said we're sick of this you you're not doing basic civil works to protect the town from even low-level floods we're pulling up stumps and leaving leaving the market the community was outraged they hected the council to to pull their finger out and do something council built um flood protections, the insurers came back. Yeah. So we know, you know, insurers, they're just companies. They're there to make money. They don't, they don't, they want to sell stuff. That's how they make money. So they, they don't want to walk away. Let's solve the problem at its source by making Australian property resilient. And then we can have insurance company at affordable levels because hopefully these people never claim insurance again. They are in homes where even if the flood comes along, they're protected. They're in communities where the river walls are high enough. They're in places where the community was relocated to higher ground or what have you. And insurance goes back to being affordable and available.
0: Next, Carl Mellon on how to rethink the property market in the face of climate change. Laura Murphy Oates here. If you're enjoying the podcasts we make at Guardian Australia, you should check out the Guardian Weekly magazine. It's a roundup of the most prominent news stories from Australia and across the globe. And at the moment, you can get 50% off an annual subscription, including home delivery, no matter where you live. Just search for Guardian Weekly subscription to find out more. Other than climate-proofing towns, is there more that the insurance industry and all levels of government could be doing to protect these really high-risk towns and lower the costs of insurance for them?
1: You know, if I'm going to point fingers, insurance companies will sit there issuing insurance premiums and then when they suddenly up them, you know, two years later, is that fair Or should they have warned people when they wrote the original policy or when someone was buying a house, hey, do you you know you're in a flood zone? Like, it could be a bit risky. Um, Or when banks are issuing mortgages, they have the money to commission climate change expertise. Is the responsibility on them to say, hey, listen, we'd love to lend you a million dollars, but we happen to know something about this house that maybe you don't. So do they have a responsibility to tell that person? So this is where we've got a failure of responsibility. As consumers, as ratepayers, as taxpayers, as citizens, people have a a right to expect normal consumer protections, and the property market has let them down. So in a way, it's, it's incumbent upon all of those participants to now step in and say, "Okay, it's on us let's solve this problem let's get affordable insurance affordable mortgages safe
0: houses do we need new laws and regulation to ensure that insurance companies and government and everyone involved here thinks about climate risk whenever they're considering a property whether it should be bought or sold or insured
1: certainly my opinion would indeed be that it should be incumbent upon all participants in the in the property market to include climate change risks in their assessments and a requirement that they advise their customers what they know.
0: And is that happening?
1: No, no, it's not happening. Should we say, look, if you want to provide insurance in Australia, you provide it everywhere and you provide it, you price it correctly and you warn people, but you don't get to just sort of jump in with a low cost product and pick the eyes out of the stuff you like. And then suddenly Two years later, when you find out you, you mispriced it, say, oh, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. We're just withdrawing the policy. See ya. I would say that's not the kind of businesses that we want operating in the insurance industry.
0: It sounds like in order to fix our insurance problem, we actually need governments and banks and insurance companies to rethink how we're growing and building homes and communities. It's a really big task. Uh, what do we risk if we don't tackle this head on? So I think
1: what's at stake when we're seeing what we're seeing unravelling is as a community and a society, we have to decide, are we going to watch these communities be killed by, you know, a death of a thousand cuts, you know, like Lismore, one event after another event until people give up or the prices collapse? Or are we going to say, you know what? Let's identify the towns, the homes where we can intervene. Let's do it now and do it in an orderly way over the next you know, 10 or 20 years and essentially be proactive because we can see the writing on the wall. So we should get on with resilience and decarbonization while we still have lots of spare capacity in our economy because there may come a day where we can no longer afford it.
0: That was Carl Mallon, CEO of Climate Valuation, and earlier Christopher Norse, a reporter for Guardian Australia. To learn more about the research mentioned in this episode, check out the piece titled The Australian Suburbs Where More Than Half of Properties Will Be Uninsurable by 2030 by Natasha May and Christopher Norse. We've linked to that on the Full Story page as well. This episode was produced by Miles Herbert, Joey Watson, and Krishna Luthria. Sound design and mixing by Camilla Hannan. The executive producers of Full Story are Miles Martignoni, Gabrielle Jackson, Molly Glassie, and me, Laura Murphy. Okay, catch you tomorrow.